Today on Blue 58, it's fullbacks and undrafted free agents and kickers who can also punt. No way, don't leave. I promise it's going to be more interesting than it sounds. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. It is almost time for another preseason game, which means the Packers are churning the bottom of their roster They've tried to make two additions over the past week or so. Only one of them has actually stuck around. We'll talk about Tommy Bohannon here in a second, but first I want to talk about Derek Jones, or more specifically, the absence of Derek Jones. This is now the second time in the not-too-distant past that the Packers have tried to make a waiver claim only to have it fall through because a player has been injured. And I don't know what that means, but I do think it's interesting and a trend that we'll have to keep an eye on. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention as something we can be watching throughout the remainder of this year, throughout the the training camp and into the regular season. Let's talk about Tommy Bohannon. There's not a ton to say here other than that this move all but confirms that fullback is going to be a part of the Packers' plans in 2018, 2019, excuse me. That was not really a mystery to anybody at this point, but if if you needed any more evidence, this is this is pretty solid evidence. If you want to see one thing that we're going to see almost for sure related to fullbacks, you need to head over to the Twitter accounts of either Andy Herman, who goes by at Scani Sports, or Dusty Evely on Twitter. Both of them write for Cheesehead TV. They have highlighted something that's come up again and again and again in the Shanahan version of the West Coast offense, which is what Matt LaFleur runs. It's a fullback seam route. Basically, it's a play fake to the fullback right up the middle, and instead of staying in a blocking, he just keeps running straight up the field, right down the middle. And it seems like more often than not, the defense just kind of forgets about him. Dusty's got video of Tommy Bohannon scoring a touchdown doing just that for Nathaniel Hackett in Jacksonville, and I guarantee... We are going to see this play at some point in 2019. It's going to happen. It's just too good to leave on the shelf. Who exactly runs that play? Well, it's probably going to be Danny Vitale. Probably not going to be Tommy Bohannon. I have a hard time thinking that uh, they're really bringing in Bohannon at this point in training camp to keep him around. But depending on how the injuries shake out to the other fullbacks in camp, you never know. And he could be a good guy to, to keep in contact with down the road should you need him again or should you want to go with a couple fullbacks if that is something that you indeed want to do. So Bohannon sticking around could be just to give them some practice reps at fullback could be to just uh, help them well establish a little bit of depth for that position down the road. Let's talk about something much more interesting an undrafted free agent wide receiver who's uh, making quite a bit of noise in training camp that would be Darius Shepard. First and foremost, we got to clear something up. I called him the wrong name last week and perhaps at least one other time before them. His name is Darius Shepard. I called him Sterling Shepard. And that is because there's another wide receiver in the NFL by that name. And as it so happens, well, we'll get to why it happened here in a second. It was definitely a mistake. But here are some other things that happened last week that probably contributed to that mistake. For one thing, I was so tired that I called my son the wrong name, which is a lot worse than calling Darius Shepard the wrong name. Uh, There is also the night when my son woke up at 2.30 a.m. after about three hours of sleep and said, you know what, I'm good. We're good here in the sleep department and never went back to sleep for the rest of the night. That was a long night. I also ended up wearing the same clothes for like three days in a row because I didn't have time to take a shower. Um, And then after all of that, there was a pretty hilarious story going around Twitter about uh, uh, Eli Manning, speaking of wrong names, 
throwing the ball to Sterling Shepard repeatedly in Giants practice, despite being told specifically not to do that because they were trying to work on something else in camp. Why did he do that? Who knows? Who can really understand Eli Manning at this point in his career? All that to say, it's a mistake that I made last week. There may have been some contributing factors, but a mistake is what it was nonetheless. We'll call him the right name going forward, and he's making it harder and harder to call him the wrong name because he's showing up in a big way in camp so far. He's getting a lot of opportunities and making the most of them. Here's what Rob Domovsky wrote of a recent training camp practice. Quote, This is why Darius Shepard could be the surprise undrafted rookie who makes the 53-man roster. On third and seven, Shepard caught a quick hitch in the left slot from Aaron Rodgers, got a block from Equinemius St. Brown, and turned it into at least a 10-yard gain and a first down. The 5'11", 186-pound Shepard has seen his reps with his starting offense spike, and he's the closest thing the Packers have to a prototypical slot receiver now that Randall Cobb is gone. He goes on to say that it's amazing that he's even made it this far. Shepard, of course, 5'11 in the 180-pound range, so a little guy. Not a great 40-yard dash time, 4.57. Comes, obviously, from North Dakota State, which is a, a big fish in the very small pond in which they play. And to cap it all off, Shepard's not even a typical undrafted free agent. He was a tryout player who stuck on the roster that way. But he has a chance to make a roster, and it seems like his chances are increasing by the day. Not for the least reason that uh, he does have a little bit of a different body type than the rest of the wide receivers. And this was something I harped on uh, back to back around the NFL draft. I was interested in seeing the Packers add somebody who was uh, more of a prototypical slot build just because having a lot of guys who are tall, long striders, however fast they may be, sort of long-limbed big guys makes you easier to defend. If all your guys operate basically the same way, it makes you less of a challenge to cover. Shepard at least changes that up a little bit. That's a small thing, but not insignificant either. So now he's got a, got a chance to make a roster, make the roster. A small one, probably, but a chance nonetheless. Let, nonetheless, let's explore his path to the roster. To me, this sounds like one of those situations you hear about late in the year, a needs help playoff situation. Like you don't necessarily control your own destiny. You need a little bit of help. Shepard can do everything right and it still might not get him onto the 53-man roster, which is fine. That happens every year. He could end up back in Green Bay on the practice squad or elsewhere in the league because of what he's done in training camp so far. The first help that Shepard needs is uh, for the Packers to keep enough receivers to actually make this a realistic shot. So that probably results, or that probably requires them keeping either six or seven wide receivers. This seems like a six wide receiver year to me. Uh, I think they're probably trending towards four tight ends and four backs. So three running backs and a fullback, four tight ends. At that point, it's hard to justify another body at receiver, at least in my mind. So let's operate under the idea that they are keeping six. Currently, I think there are three roster spots all but locked up and two that feel like good bets. Devontae Adams has his spot locked up, for sure. 
Absolutely for sure. And I have to think that Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison are right there too. Slightly, ever so slightly behind them is Jake Kumro, and then behind him still is Equinemius St. Brown. I think those are your top five, and I don't think a lot of people would really argue with that a whole lot. Now, if the Packers keep six wide receivers, that leaves a few notable players fighting for one roster spot. We've got the incumbent Trevor Davis, who, though he really hasn't practiced so much or a whole ton this year, was good when he was on the field. And then he got hurt, as is the story. It seems like just about each and every training camp, and this might be the end of the road if that continues. You've got Shepard. You've got 2018 fourth-round pick Jamon Moore. And then you've got Alan Lazard, who stands out in that group just because of how big he is. I think, well, we'll get to that in a second. Second, the Packers need to value Shepard's contributions beyond what he does as a wide receiver. And that comes down to special teams. Even if it's not returning kicks or punts, there's got to be a role for him on special teams to some extent. Because other than Devontae Adams, all the Packers wide receivers played regular snaps on special teams last year. And Devontae Adams even ended up playing one snap on special teams. You have to think that was probably an onside kick. I can't verify what it was. But uh, no, I, and by I can't verify, I mean, I didn't really bother looking it up because it was just the one snap. And I think we all understand that Devontae Adams isn't really throwing out a lot of a lot of snaps on special teams. What's it looking for for Shepard right now? I think of the four, this is what I was going to say before, of the four fighting for a roster spot, the very last roster spot, slot number six on the wide receiver depth chart, I think he'd be the top choice, which means, of course, that I am back off the Trevor Davis bandwagon. Oh, well. Let's just say that prediction was completely wrong right off the bat because I predicted he was going to be off the roster way back when. Uh, Then recently I I went back in that prediction and said he'd be on the 53-man roster. Now I think I'm leaning back towards him being out. Oh, well, we'll just count that as a wash because we've gone both ways. And, you know, at a certain point, you just got to plant a stake and say that's that's where we're going to be. So I think of the four who are fighting for that final spot, I would order it something like this. Darius Shepard, and then Trevor Davis, who gets a lot of, of benefit for the training camp he had before he got injured and for his return ability. Then Alan Lazard, just because of his unique physical characteristics. And then last, and I suppose least, Jamon Moore. I said after the last preseason game, I think I'm off the Jamon Moore. Um, I've sold all my Jamon Moore shares. Whatever ones I was still hanging on to, I have uh, divested at this point, I just I'm not interested in the Javon Moore show anymore. Show anymore at this point. As the bottom line, I think special teams are going to make it or break it, and I think Darius Shepard has a good chance to make it just based on his special teams alone. He got a little bit of burn as a punt returner in the first preseason game, and he has a lot of background in that area. According to the North Dakota State official website, he is fifth on their career chart for punt return yards and sixth in attempts and yards per return at 13.14, not too shabby. If he can put up numbers, you know, 80% as good as that in the NFL, he'll be doing all right. I'm rooting for him. It's kind of a fun story. And uh, like I said, I've, I've long, for a long time here in 2019, I've been hoping for a guy with a little bit of a different body type uh, in that wide receiver group. Speaking of different body types, there's another undrafted free agent we've got to talk about, and that, of course, is Curtis Bolton. This worked out really well. We've got interesting undrafted free agents to talk about on both sides of the ball, and both of them have been playing bigger and bigger roles as training camp has gone on. Bolton, a more traditional undrafted free agent. We talked about him way back when. Here's a little bit of what we said 
Uh, he's six feet tall, 218 pounds. I described that as undersized. Well, it's saying there's undersized and then there's that. More on that in a second. He's actually Curtis Bolton the third, which I said reminds me of an extremely off-brand Clay Matthews. As a reminder, Bolton didn't play regularly at Oklahoma until his senior season. And he did extremely well when he finally did play. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, four five three in the forty yard dash, solid broad jump, solid agility numbers. Seems like seemed like a good prospect at the time, and that has really seemed to have uh, have borne itself out. That size thing, though, Bolton is certainly undersized, even for an undersized inside linebacker. And I know the game is changing, but six feet tall and two hundred eighteen pounds is both short and light. Looking back at some recent Packers undersized inside linebackers, you've got DJ Smith. Uh, 2011 sixth round pick. He was 5'11", 239 pounds. Abdul Hodge, a 2006 third rounder, six feet tall, 236. Even Nick Barnett, a little bit on the small side, 6'2", 228, the first round pick in 2003. Even former Packers linebacker Joe Thomas, considered to be pretty undersized, was six foot one and 231 pounds, both taller and heavier than Bolton. The size thing is noteworthy. I'm not sure how much of an issue it's going to be because of the sort of role he may be playing. He's really going to be on the field next to Martinez, uh, Blake Martinez, that is, of course. Um, And I'm not sure size is really going to play a huge issue because of those two, he'll probably be more of the coverage guy when they are in an alignment, when they have two linebackers on the field. His path to the roster, I think, is a lot more clear than that of Darius Shepard. The current locks are pretty slim at inside linebacker for the Packers. You've got Blake Martinez, of course. That is an absolute stone-cold lock. You've got Oren Burks, but I think he's probably headed to injured reserve. And we have to make a note about that because to add a player to injured reserve and then have him return at some point in the year, he has to make the 53-man roster. So the Packers would have to Have him make the final 53, carry him through the deadline at which they have to be down to 53, then put him on injured reserve, then sign somebody else to take his place. It's a bit of a complicated process, but they've worked that dance a couple different ways in the past. Most notably, I think it was back in 2017, whatever year it was, they signed Ahmad Brooks because they kind of had this dance where they were going to sign him, but he wasn't signed yet. They had to get Don Barclay. Oh boy, there's a blast from the past. Two injured reserves, so they had to carry him to the active roster, even though there was no chance he was going to make the 53, put him on injured reserve, then sign Ahmad Brooks. It was a whole thing. And they didn't even end up bringing Barkley back from injured reserve anyway. That is a digression. That doesn't matter at all in 2019. So beyond those two players who have positions all but locked up, you've got Bolton, Ty Summers, and James Crawford. And I think they probably keep two of those three just because of Burke's injury. You need a guy who can take place, and if they keep just three inside linebackers, two of those three is how the math works out. How does Bolton make this roster? Well, be assignment sure and contribute on special teams. Just don't screw it up at this point on on, on defense. Look what the, the Packers did with Antonio Morrison last year. Look, he didn't bring a lot to the table as an inside linebacker, but uh, even though he had some limitations athletically, he didn't screw things up for them a lot on defense other than just being slow. Being slow is not a mistake that you can really overcome. It's just the way that you are. And if you give up plays because you're slow, that's probably on your defense for for putting you in those situations as much as anything else. If Bolton just doesn't get himself out of plays, that will probably be enough to get him on the active roster if he keeps doing what he is supposed to do. And of course, special teams contributions are never going to be a bad thing. Again, the gut feeling here is that the Packers keep two of those three guys, 
Probably right now it would be Bolton and Summers just because both of them can do more on the actual defense than it feels like James Crawford can do. But after James Crawford made the roster last year the way he did, I have a hard time betting against him, so you never know. While I've got you here, let's talk about kickers and not the Packers kickers. Interesting though that may be. The Baltimore Ravens this week whenever that was, the past few days, traded kicker Corey Vedvik to the Minnesota Vikings. And apparently the Packers were in on that conversation too, along with the Bears and the New York Jets. According to Adam Schefter, the Vikings have considered adding having Vedvik both kick and punt for them, which I think is very, very interesting. First of all, if anybody can do it, it's this guy. He did it in college. He kicked and punts punted. He's also ambidextrous. There is video of him on YouTube kicking field goals of considerable length with both feet, including a 60-yarder with his natural right foot and a, a number of field goals of significant different distance with his left foot. So if anybody can figure out a way to both kick and punt in an NFL game with some degree of success, it seems like it would be this guy. But if he can do it, I think it's also interesting because it's an inter- instant improvement to the Vikings roster which is a great strategy and something more teams, I think, should imitate. Because think about it. If you've got a guy who can kick and punt, that reduces your amount of specialists that you have to carry by, let's run the numbers on this, 33%. Instead of carrying a kicker, a punter, and a long snapper, you can just carry a long snapper and whatever you call the guy who both kicks and punts, the kicker and punter, the kicker punter. Anyway, that leaves you a roster spot that you can use on something that's much more interesting and important than your kicker and punter. We always like to say that kickers are really only interesting until they lose the game for you or some variety of that. That's that's always going to be the truth. Why not use that 53rd roster spot on an extra lineman, offensive or defensive, an extra defensive back, an extra wide receiver? Hey, the Packers could keep seven wide receivers. Keep Darius Shepard and Alan Lazard. Go crazy. Keep all three. Cut Hunter Bradley too. No specialists at all. We're just never going to punt. The point is, if you have a guy who could do both of those things, it frees up that roster spot. But it also takes us one step closer to my absolute dream scenario. No kicking specialists at all. If I was in charge of the entire NFL, they're not taking my call, so this is not going to happen anytime soon. But if I was in charge, the first thing, one of the first things I would do other than outlawing the talk of an 18-game schedule forever, is eliminate kicking specialists. No team would be able to carry a guy who only kicks or punts because I think that would make games much, much more interesting. Here are five reasons how that would work. First, you get to the deeper rosters that I was talking about. You're not wasting two spots on guys who can only kick. That's better for, for teams as a whole. So maybe you can carry that extra quarterback finally. Maybe you carry the extra lineman, receiver, whatever. One of those body-heavy positions where you have to have a lot of guys. That's a, that's a significant benefit. Second, you get more well-rounded players. you got to figure out, if you want to kick, who can actually kick for you. So guys that have those additional skills are going to be all the more valuable. How much more interesting would it be to see the Packers sign some running back, some like third-string guy, um, and be like, not only... Is he great in the passing game and great in pass protection on third down? But also, he's a dynamite kicker. Really solid. Just a a guy that we want to have out there. And it gives us a lot of options with our roster. That would be a lot more interesting. 
third, you also get a potential, uh, a significant amount of potential for hilarious situations because sometimes you end up with a guy like Ndamukong Sue kicking field goals or extra points or whatever. And as hilarious as that was, when that actually did happen in an NFL game, look it up if you don't remember it, it was awesome. It was funny as a Packers fan watching the Lions, but it was also awesome because Sue is a defensive lineman kicking the football. That just doesn't happen. That should be routine in the NFL because it would be hilarious to watch. Fourth, you also have to be more strategic about when you kick. If you don't have a guy in your roster who can kick like an NFL kicker or punt like an NFL punter, you have to be a lot more conscious of when and where you kick and punt. That leads to more fourth down attempts. That leads to more two-point conversion attempts. I think both of those are big wins for the league. Fifth and finally, scoring books and scoring records start to matter again when you don't just have kickers clogging everything up. Paul Horning of the Packers, just to pull an example out of thin air, used to lead the league in kicking or in scoring just because he scored a bunch of touchdowns and also kicked uh, PATs and field goals. Ladanian Tomlinson came very close once to uh, to leading the league in points for the first time in a long, long time. Uh, a non-kicker would have done it when way back in the day. Well, not so way back in the day, but a, a significant amount of time now, early 2000s. Uh, he was really close, and he had to score a whole ton of touchdowns to do it. This would be a lot more realistic for non-kickers to get to the top of the list, or, well, there wouldn't be any kickers, because there or wouldn't be a kicker ever again, because there would be no kickers, but you'd have guys like running backs and receivers leading the league, or guys maybe like, uh, you know, some lineman who kicks, like the Packers used to have with Jerry Kramer, or Lou Groza. Um, not on the Packers, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. I think all of this is terribly interesting. And I think the Minnesota Vikings did the entire league a big favor by at least starting this conversation. Hopefully it's something that takes hold and it's something we can count on in the future. That's all I've got for you on this particular episode. Enjoy preseason game number two. We'll be back with the reaction pod on Friday. Also keep an eye out for our August conversation between Gary and myself on our Patreon account. If you're not a member on Patreon, check that out. That's some of our bonus content we offer for you there. If you like what you heard on this episode and want to help us keep things going, the best way to support us is leaving a rating and review wherever you happen to listen. That does help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to the next level, get access to some of that bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. A buck a month helps offset our hosting costs and helps this podcast and the website just continue to run. And don't forget to check out our t-shirts and sweatshirts by kicking, clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you've got an idea for the show or just want to say hi, make contact wherever you would like to do that, through the website, through social media, through email, whatever. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. And as always, every bit of feedback you give us helps us make this entire operation better, which furthers our mission of helping everyone become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.